Welcome to the Vital Life Podcast. This is Dr. Sherry Rayleigh. Here we talk about health, home, family, and food, empowering you with the knowledge and skills to live a truly vital life. Welcome to the Vital Life Podcast. This is Dr. Sherry Rayleigh, and today I have the beautiful Tiffany Hedgepeth with me. Tiffany is a homeschooling mom of three, wild and free kids, and a wife to her amazing husband of 15 years. After feeling frustrated with the public school system, she and her husband decided to give homeschooling a try, and they never looked back. Now Tiffany works as a mentor, guiding families through the process of homeschooling and encouraging them when they hit bumps in the road. So I've known Tiffany for probably almost 10 years now. Um, when I first met her in the office, her kids were really young. And now mm. they're blossoming into teenagers, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. So welcome, welcome, Tiffany. I'm so Aww. excited to hear from you. And Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited to have you. So this week we are talking about family. And, yes. you know, it's our fourth core topic here. So home, health family and food and family is such an important thing to me as you know my family journey has been a very interesting one but everybody has a different journey and everyone has stories to tell and insights to share Um, knowing Tiffany for like about 10 years now I know she has a lot of knowledge to drop some bombs on you guys (laughs) so um, I would love to hear your story Tiffany tell me how you ended up being a homeschool mom. So, so it's really funny. I never thought I would be a homeschooling mom. <laughs> um, I went to public school and I just did what everybody who goes through the public school system does. You go to college and then you get a job. And then when I, when I was pregnant with my first, I'm like, I don't want to go back to work. <laughs> like I want to be a stay at home mom. Yeah. And so I did. And that was glorious. I loved it. And then kindergarten time came around and I'm like, well, okay. Um, I guess this is just what we do. Right. And, um, my oldest, you know, she had some learning differences. She's neurodivergent and, you know, so she was getting services. She had an IEP, which is a whole mess to deal with, with the school system. Yeah. And, and so we just kind of, kept going. We just kind of just did, I wanted to homeschool. Um, at the time, my husband was not really a supporter of it. And so we decided just, you know, our marriage was a priority, you know, and I wasn't going to do something so drastic that would compromise my marriage because that would have been more detrimental to our kids than choosing to public school or homeschool. Yeah, for sure. So, so we just kind of went plugging along and I had my twins and my twins are neurodivergent. And so I was like, Oh my goodness, three IEPs, <laughs> three <laughs> meetings. Like this is insane. And it was about the time I think Peyton was in second grade and we were just really starting to see <clears throat> that the school system was not really meeting her needs. And I was also noticing it with my boys who were in kindergarten at the time. And I was like, I don't like this. Like, I I don't like 
that they are children who are supposed to be running around outside playing and they're sitting in a classroom for six hours a day being forced to do things that aren't even developmentally appropriate for their age. Yeah. And it was so frustrating. So I begged my husband, I'm like, please let me at least take Peyton out. We'll give it a year. And we left the boys in school for their first grade year. We was just Peyton. And, and then eventually we brought the boys home too, because again, it was like, I was realizing more and more that the school system wasn't going to give us the help that we really needed. And it was, I didn't like that. I was relying so much on them um, because I feel like as parents, like we're their teachers <laughs> from the moment they're home with us. Why, why is this any different? You know? Yeah. And if, if my education was worth anything, <laughs> I should be able to handle this. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and um, our first year of homeschooling was not fun uh, because I didn't really have a lot of support. I didn't have a lot of, I didn't really know what I was doing. And it was a really hard year. And it wasn't until the following year that somebody had told me about the process of de-schooling which, you know, for some, for those of you who don't know, if you have a child who, who has spent any amount of time in public school, de-schooling is a process where children get that, it, it's a decompression a little bit, but it's also an opportunity for kids to unplug from the public school mindset. It's also an opportunity for us to unplug from the public school mindset because we're conditioned by it also. Um, so can we go in, can we go into that just real quick because I have a lot of, a <laughs> yeah. lot of families I see a lot of families in the practice and and this is um, something you know I have conversations with people often in the room you know I'm there I'm like hey what's going on I can tell you're really tense and mm. and then it, it opens up the conversation of uh, my kids are miserable in school I think I want to homeschool I don't even know where to start and so yeah. these conversations are huge. Um, and nobody knows what de-schooling is. So can you okay, talk yeah. about that a little bit more? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, if you, if you take your kids out of public school, uh, most often parents are left feeling like they don't know what to do. So they default to what they know. And that really looks like replicating public school at home. Yeah. It takes you all but two seconds to realize that's not going to happen <laughs> because your kids are at home. This is, this is the place where most kids feel the most comfortable. And so asking them to what play school for you, <laughs> you're like, uh, this is not working. It doesn't and, work for them and it, and it doesn't work for you no, either. No, <laughs> no. And, you know, we shouldn't be trying to make our homes like the public school system. That's silly. And so, but, but I get it because parents, we, we just don't know, you know, like we only know because like, we went to public school. So we're like, well, this must work. <laughs> and, and so we just default to that because it's familiar and de-schooling gives the mom and dad and the kids an opportunity to kind of reprogram their brain a bit to relearn what it means to have an education so de-schooling, usually we strongly encourage, and it's really hard to get people on board with this, we strongly encourage no curriculum during this time. How long do you suggest this be? So the 
what I have come across on the internet is for every year that the child has been in public school, they need a month. And that's give or take. <clears throat> My kids needed a lot more than that. <clears throat> um, so, you know, if you've got neurodivergent kids, they're probably going to need some more time. Um, and it gives, so in that process of getting rid of all of the organized curriculum, you aren't, it's not the absence of learning. It's just the absence of learning with a curriculum as your guide. So, you know, you're going on field trips, you're reading a lot. Like I highly encourage reading aloud to children, even when they're older, you know, reading and, and field trips and being outside and allowing lots of unstructured free play time. And it gives everybody's, you know, it's kind of like with chiropractic care, right? You're giving everybody a little nervous system reset. <laughs> Absolutely. You need that when you're, when you're shifting gears, because if you keep trying to, if you're homeschooling and you keep trying to measure your kids by public school standards, you're going to feel frustrated all the time. And so de-schooling gives you that opportunity to, to do that. And you learn about who your kids are and how they learn. And, um, and then when you feel like your kids are ready, you know, you can move into different, you know, there's a plethora of homeschooling philosophies out there. Um, we're unschoolers, but you know, there's people who do classical education and Charlotte Mason and eclectic. And, you know, there's like, there's so many different, um, ways to homeschool your kid. Yeah. And, and there's no wrong way because there's so much diversity. Your children are so wildly diverse. Our brains are all diverse. So, mm -hmm. um, but one of the mistakes that people make is they don't, we forget as moms that we have also gone through the public school system. We need to de-school our own brains. We need to relearn what education means. Absolutely. And so <laughs> if you, if you don't de-school, but your kids do, then your kids are like, Oh, this is amazing. And then they come back to doing school air quotes. Um, you're just going to, layer on the same familiar habits yeah so well, you know we as you know as moms we give ourselves mom guilt yes of course and we feel like it it has to be this programmed systematic thing and that's the beauty of homeschooling is that it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything specific um you know you can make it work for you and your family and your yes. schedules and so you know I think I see that a lot in homeschool moms where especially in the beginning mm -hmm. they're so overwhelmed with all of the things that they feel like they have to do and have to yeah curriculum and that curriculum and pull from here and pull from there and then it for me it's a beautiful dance to watch because mm -hmm. I see <clears throat> families making these really tough decisions to make a change for their families. Yeah. But then I'm walking them kind of with them as I'm asking questions. How's it going? What, you know, what are your success? What are your failures? What's going on? And, and these conversations are, are so cool. And it's so fun to watch them, you know, a year or two years later and the kids are thriving. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is one thing I can say. And that's why I wanted to talk about homeschooling. Um, it's not for everyone and not everyone can do it. I'm not doing it. I, mm -hmm. I wish I could, but I, it's not, it's not in my, it's not in our plan for right now, but, mm -hmm. but I can tell you, I see public school kids. I see private school kids and I see homeschool kids. I see unschooled kids, which we're going to talk about that. In a minute. <laughs> yeah. But 
I can tell you that my the kids that come into my office that are homeschooled are thriving. Yeah, it is. It's so beautiful to see. And they thrive. They do have more of a, you know, a, a zest about them that mm-hmm. public school kids don't have. Yeah, it's actually great. My mother-in-law, she she was not super excited about the homeschooling thing. And then, you know, just sort of recently, maybe in like the past year, she was over and she had commented to me that she's like, the kids seem really happy. You can tell that they're thriving. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because she, she thinks, I hope she doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> she, she thinks, like, she doesn't know that we unschool. She doesn't know what that means. Yeah. Most people don't. Yeah. And... No. So, like, if I were to tell her that, oh, yeah, it's because we don't use any curriculum, <laughs> but <Yep>. they're thriving. <laughs> so something's obviously working. Yeah. Um, but I'm also using a different measuring stick for my kids' success. I'm not using test scores to measure their success. I'm, I'm using a very different metric. So... Let's back up to uh, the word and the the term unschooling. Yeah. What does that mean? And then explain it. Explain it to someone who may have never heard that term before. Yeah. So pretty rare and, uh, you know, definitely outside of the box, which I love. It is. Yeah. Like if homeschoolers are weird, unschoolers are weirder. Um, (laughs) Okay. So a lot of people do get hung up on the word because, you know, unschooling, you know, it's basically learning without school, which scares people. And so other, I I often will refer to it as self-directed education, which seems to put people's (laughs) minds at ease. Um, I've heard it called child-led. I don't love that word or that that description of it um, because it's more of a partnership that I have with my kids, not necessarily them leading all the time. It's a partnership. So basically the, the premise is that children from birth are always learning. They don't stop learning just because they've hit a certain age. And that, yeah. And so like with unschooling or self-directed education, we are putting the trust back to the child to direct their education. They choose what to learn, when to learn it, how much to consume of a subject. And it can look on paper like a big mess, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's beautiful to see how all of the subjects, all of those academic subjects weave beautifully together in real life. And the learning seems to stick better because they're learning something, not because they're told to learn it, but because it becomes a function of necessity sometimes. Like, oh, hey, I want to, I want to build this thing. Um, let's say, my, one of the things my, one of my boys does, he likes to crochet And he plays this video game and he's like, well, I want to crochet the character in this video game. Oh, wow. Um, So he goes onto YouTube and he learns, he had some very basic crocheting skill and he learned how to crochet this character from a YouTube tutorial. Wow. Like a 3D, like, yes, 3D, it's stuffed in everything. (laughs) Wow. And I would, first of all, I would never have been able to teach him that. Um, and, but he, he did it not because someone said, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to crochet. He learned it because he, he 
saw that the skill was needed at the time. So he learned it and it stuck with him because he needed the skill. He wanted the skill. So yes. it's really, so I kind of think so, of it. Oh, so go, go ahead. Go ahead. Can I pause you on that? Because yeah. So, you know, from the outside perspective, someone who doesn't, hasn't really delved, dived deep into this world. Yeah. They might think of that as like, Oh, that's just a craft. But, but I want to, <laughs> I want to break that down for people because yeah. Okay, so now we're talking about crocheting, which I, I actually really want to learn. I'm going to have to get a lesson from him. Because isn't, <laughs> is isn't he a lefty as well? No, that's my other one. He's oh, a lefty. Right. I have okay. twins and I have a righty and a lefty. <laughs> okay, because I'm a lefty and I've like tried to watch tutorials and they're backwards. So Yes, I actually, note. well, I do have some people <laughs> in my life who have left-handed children who crochet. So I will okay. do my best to get that to you. <laughs> okay, I need the hookup. <laughs> no, no pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but so let's break this down. Crocheting, yes, it's a craft, but he's one using his creative side of his brain. So when we know what the brain development, left brain, right brain, yeah. he's being creative. But with crocheting, there's a lot of calculation yeah. simply in just crocheting like a square or a rectangle, yeah. knowing how many knots that you need to make and how many sections you need to do. Yeah. But now we're talking 3D. So from a conceptual standpoint, his brain is not only being creative in the left side of his brain, mm -hmm. he's also being creative in the um in you know logical in the other side mm -hmm. of the brain yeah so, it's amazing so he's got that you know logic and creativity building together to create an object yeah so there's a lot of like calculation and skill and focus i mean you think about a child like a typical boy in an educational system who gets labeled Mm. hyperactive or ADHD yeah. or whatever neurodivergent thing you want to talk about mm -hmm. but for a boy especially to sit down and use that craft and then we could even talk even deeper on fine motor skills that he's uh, using well so Matthew he so his name is Matthew and he right before we withdrew him from school he this is actually one of my what was one of my big decision makers so he had atrocious handwriting um and honestly, he had atrocious handwriting because he was six. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yo, come on now. Yeah. And of course he's not going to like writing because you're making him write stupid things that don't have any, like, meaning or relevance to him. So, yeah. But so he, when I took him out of school, it was right before he was eligible for services for occupational therapy. And they're like, they kind of like worried me they're like are you sure he's eligible for services I'm like nope I'm sure <laughs> we're good and so I ceased all handwriting practice on him all of it completely all of it he went outside and he played um he built with Legos he did and he was still young he wasn't into crochet at the time but any amount of writing he did was all because he wanted to do it and he would write Christmas lists birthday lists he would write out lists and numbers he, he he just he likes to make lists and I took I let him use um dry erase markers on my windows to write so like mm -hmm. over time he started writing because he just simply enjoyed it but when he started crocheting I noticed it's not perfect but I've noticed a, a pretty significant noticeable improvement in his handwriting yeah and yeah, and you're right. Crocheting is a handicraft, but it, it's more complicated in their brains. Like we, we just, we minimize it because it's a, it's a, an art form and, you know, we prioritize other things as morally superior. 
like <laughs> math. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that math is not important. It's important, but it's not. <laughs> but math is, there's, there's math that you learn in like algebra and then there's math that's practical math. Like, yeah calculating out he's he's doing math in crochet yes calculating when he needs to stop his pattern and reset and do the things yep. to make the product so there, yeah. there is actually math in that it's just not what you think of as like algebra or long division or whatever you want to call it right and sometimes so, math isn't doing the calculations as much as it is just the logic yeah. like logically is mathematical um but then you know there was a year goodness one one semester they played chess. They all, um, well, not Peyton, but the boys learned to play chess and they checked out books from the library of chess strategies. And like, I can't even, I can barely beat them in chess now. Mm, wow. I'm like really good at it. And I didn't, I don't even know how they got interested in it, but they did. And they got obsessed with it and they just went to town. And so, yeah, chess was one of the things that we, we did one semester that's all they wanted to do mm -hmm. um but it's logic it's it's strategy like those are those are important skill sets yes for a child and to have and, and i'll be real honest that's not a skill set that's being taught in a lot of situations no um because we're just taught to follow follow this step to get an end result and then there's no meaning behind it yes so, oh you know, yes you see a lot of adults, I mean, when you get to the workplace, when things become practical mm -hmm. and, you know, people can't logically like go through the steps and if the step isn't perfect, then they freeze. They have no idea what to do because right. the step didn't go like it's supposed to and they don't have the logic and reasoning skills mm -hmm. to be able to process that. So, yeah. And it's, what's really interesting though, too, is that everything in self-directed education is is requiring them to be self-starters and i've been hearing like i listen to a lot of podcasts and i've been hearing a lot of little chitter uh chatter about this idea that people are going into the workforce and they don't know how to take initiative to do things yeah very true. and that's kind of disturbing to me so like teaching and that's the thing is that we've kind of created this moral hierarchy of academic skills that are important and then we've minimized like actual life skills that are actually more important than the academic skills <laughs> yeah um, because academic skills can be taught at any time in your life True. you know there isn't this magic time where the kids oh well they're this age they must learn this skill now <laughs> some yeah. brains some brains are not ready for it no, and and yeah and everyone there's so much neurodiversity out there that we just yeah we ha we have to at some point like it's to me it's about trusting my kids that they know how to facilitate their education and i tell them that all the time this is your education i've already gotten my education Mm -hmm. um, I'm your facilitator. So I actually, it was funny. Um, I was thinking about this today because I'm like, oh, you're a chiropractor. You'll understand this. <laughs> so, um, you know, like when, when we come into the office, you know, I think what's so beautiful about chiropractic care compared to other conventional forms of, of medicine, you know, y'all aren't healing our bodies. Our bodies are healing themselves. 
Absolutely. You are just the facilitator of that. You're saying, oh, okay, well, like we need to make some changes and, and, and you treat us and you care for us, but mm-hmm. our, our bodies are actually doing the work of, of healing. Yeah. You, you are just setting up a scenario in which our bodies can do that. And Absolutely. so that's kind of like what I see my role as is I trust that you know how to learn and you know how to seek out knowledge and information when you need it. I trust you. I'm going to set up an environment that you can do that. Well, and, and I'm kids, your guide. I'm your guide. I mean, everyone, everyone knows that kids' brains are sponges, mm-hmm. right? They want to learn. They are, like you said, learning every moment of every day. And honestly, as adults, we are too. I mean, mm-hmm. we're constantly learning something new every day. There's some new thing happening. Yep. Um, but you know, we we don't we don't tend to trust our kids. And as parents, you know, as a facilitator, you do have to you know help nudge them in different directions. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, you know. As human nature, we all maybe, you know, aren't self-directed or self-motivated or pushing ourselves in those directions. But you can facilitate that without force. Absolutely. <laughs> you got a dog. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was glad it's not mine. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I actually think what's so neat about it is when my kids are free to play, they learn stuff that I never would have thought to teach them. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, like, how did you even get there? Like that's, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. And it is amazing. And so that trust, I remember when Peyton, we first went roller skating and she's like, mom, this is so hard. And I was like, okay, I can't be in your body for you. Yeah. See, you need to trust your body. She looked at me kind of like, what is she talking about? I was like, (laughs) your body can feel the right thing to do if you just kind of relax and just do it. And she was like, oh, okay. So she did that. And she came back around the skating rink. She's like, mom, you're right. If I just trust my body, this all works. (laughs) I'm like, I know. Like, And I think we a big reason that people don't love unschooling is because it makes us uncomfortable because yeah. we, we are people who love to quantify things and we like to see the, the data that backs up what we're doing. We just love that. And unschooling doesn't always give you that. Well, it's not going to give you the, satisfaction that you get say like in a standard schooling environment we read the book we study the thing we take the test and we we get the answers correct yeah we love that we love that right it's 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 simple it's plain it's laid out but when you look at it from the law it's really a long game versus a short game yeah you know short game is read the book study the things take the test pass the test Long game is life skills. Yes. And you might be, they might be, like you said, in chess. You know, when you're sitting there as a, a grandma and your children are teaching your grandchildren how to play chess. Yeah. That's when you're going to get that satisfaction. You can sit back yeah. and watch that situation and be like, wow, I let them study chess for a whole semester. But look what that's doing. They will yeah. still have that knowledge. 
and they'll be, you know, adults and maybe haven't played chess in years, but they're, you know, your grandkids might decide, Hey, I want to learn chess. And they've got that it's in there. Yeah. But they'll pull it out. And that's, that's life learning. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Um, and you know, and, and one of the biggest criticisms I hear about unschooling is, well, what if they want to go to college? I'm like, well, what if they want to go to college? Like, you know, there's many ways to go to college. You yeah. don't have to do it the traditional way. Um, you know, in North Carolina, for example, there are no, I know this is going to sound crazy. There's no graduation requirements for your kids. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't you, even know that. Yeah, you can just graduate them from a homeschool. Okay. And now, if you're going on to university, they usually recommend a transcript, which is not a big deal. You can put a transcript together for an unschooler. Um, takes a little bit of effort. <laughs> um, yeah, you can do it. But, you know, I've been, I've been here. I talked to um, Peter Gray on my podcast a while back. Amazing guy, by the way. And he said that there are so many paths to college for unschoolers and you know what ends up happening is that these kids because they haven't been coerced and manipulated and forced and had the curiosity beaten out of them they are when they say they're passionate about something and want to go to college they mean it true they mean it and so what ends up happening is despite the lack of a transcript they write a killer essay that is full of passion and desire. And then they interview really well because, hey, these these kids have been having some amazing social building skills happening. <laughs> yeah. And because they're not, you know, told to not talk. School's not for socializing. Mm-hmm. You know, so so these kids end up being able to say, hey, you know, I know I don't have a transcript but they interview so well and they write such a good essay that in college admissions, they want kids who want to be there and learn. Yeah. And so like, you're going to take the kid with a killer essay and interview who's got a passion for something over somebody who's just like another product of a system, like an assembly line system. Yeah. And, and it's just, or, or the, aren't you worried your kids won't know X when it comes, like, if you're unschooling, how are they going to know that? I'm like, you, we do live in a day where we have Google. Y'all, like, if you need to know it, go to Google. It will yeah. teach you. Like, if, if I needed to know A squared plus B squared equals C squared, I don't remember even why I used that formula. I've Google. never used it. Um, but you know what? I know that if I, if I needed it, I could just go to YouTube. Well, I just I just tell people don't don't doctor Google yourself because doctor <laughs> Google will tell you you're dying every single time. Yeah, I should have died many times. <laughs> by the way, turns out it's like oh, just some gas. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm dying. Yeah, I'll be okay. Maybe. I just need to see my chiropractor. <laughs> yeah. People come so, into me all the time. They're like, I have this thing, and I looked it up on Google, and I was like, oh, doctor Google's telling you you're dying. Yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, you, like, you can definitely <laughs> Google math problems, but I would agree. Don't Google your medical conditions. <laughs> nope. Um, you know, and it's just, I, I've each year that I've unschooled, I tell myself, man, maybe I should get back to a more, you know, structured curriculum. But then it's like, I see them. Like, I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook yesterday. No, I didn't. We went out to the woods that are across the street from my house, and there's a little stream, and 
uh, one of my boys was um, trying to get the water to move faster. Like he thought, hey, can I increase, can I increase the speed at which the water is going? I'm just sitting here watching him. So he narrows down the channel of the water. And sure enough, the water starts going crazy and going really fast. He was so thrilled and excited. And I, I sat there looking at it thinking, huh, that like seems like physics. Yeah, that <laughs> or is like, physics. Hi, like hydrodynamics or yeah. <laughs> at least yeah. observing the properties of water. And sure enough, you know, I did a little Google search and I'm, I'm not going to pronounce this guy's name right. It's like Bernoulli. It's uh -huh. like Bernoulli's principle or something like that. Yep. And, you know, basically narrowing the channel that the water has to go through will increase its velocity. This is like high level physics that I never would have taught my kids. Yeah. And, and I guarantee you stuff. Yeah. And like, I never, first of all, even if I did teach it out of a textbook, they'd be like, okay, big deal. Like, why does this matter? Mm -hmm. But because he wanted an epic rubber duck race down a river, <laughs> he figured out how to increase the velocity of water flow. Yeah. And I could never have. That's amazing. You created that. No, you can't create that. At and all. It, so I get reassured every year. And then I read a lot of books that kind of encourage me in, in my unschooling. And. And then I just like what you said at the beginning, you know, I see my kids thriving. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, right now we're just going to stay the course because exactly. it's clearly it's making a positive impact in their life beyond just book smarts. Yeah. So tell me what, what, like, what does a day look like in your family? In your household? <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> um every day is different yeah and so but it's not really actually I think about it so we instead of we're not like very regimented people we are very um I don't know we try to remain fluid mm -hmm. with things because I want to I want to leave room for unexpected stuff and so we have some predictables in our routine you know John does jujitsu Peyton does horseback riding. And so like we have some outside commitments that kind of keep us on a routine, but we, we try to do more daily rhythms and, you know, and those rhythms usually include them having some video game time and most of their day is free play time, mm -hmm. um, which freaks people out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we try to, we try to incorporate a walk. We try to incorporate some family time and, you know, our meals obviously, but each day is so different in, in the, in the, what they're learning. Um, it's just beautiful. Like, but there's a rhythm to our day that's just uniquely ours. And I used to get frustrated when people would give me that answer. I'd be like, what's your day look like as, a, as an unschooler? And they would never be able to tell me anything definitive that I could replicate at home. Yes. And it got me really upset. And so I'm like, surely there's like a way to unschool my kids, <laughs> but there's not, there's no secret sauce. There's it's no secret sauce. Like you. you are the secret sauce, you know, and your kids are the secret sauce. Now, now if you're doing, if you're not unschooling and you're doing more regimented curriculum, um, there are loads of 
different ways to schedule your day. But even with those, I still recommend that people, instead of sticking to regimented times, I recommend they stick to a rhythm and a flow of their day. Okay. And to just, and just write it out, but, but also hold it loosely, you know, because you may not get to everything. So, you know, if you have a kid who's doing a math lesson and they're really, really struggling that might just be all that their little brain can handle for the day. True. Very true. And so just, you know, being okay, leaving some things undone mm-hmm. and knowing that that's okay. And that's, and that's really what their brains need. Yes. Because pushing them further into a state of stress is not going to help them learn more. No, it if really anything, won't. It's going to backfire on you and they're going to learn less than they would have if you just stopped. Oh, it backfires. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I spent a long time, even after my de-schooling, I spent a long time trying to get my kids to just do the next worksheet. Like, this mm-hmm. isn't hard. And then they were just so upset about it. And I'm like, this is so not working. And I tried, I tried curriculum after curriculum and it, every one of them failed in that way. Yeah. There was no passion, no excitement, no just thrill Mm -hmm. to the education. Education should be exciting. And I'm not saying that it, it won't be hard. It will certainly be hard sometimes, but when you love what you're learning and you love the process, that hard becomes easier to deal with. Yeah. Because you've got a why. You've got a, a motivation, an intrinsic motivation behind it. You know, um like, I think that that could honestly go for everything. Everything, right? I mean, even even an adult in a career, if you are yeah. miserable and hate doing it and you don't see satisfaction and you have no why. Yeah. You know, people do they they live in jobs that are miserable. And, yeah. And and for that exact reason. And so, you know, think about your kids. Like if an adult feels that way. Yeah. You know, think about a, a kid with this wonderful little mind that is just ready to absorb. Yes. Everything. And it's their- so good. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and also too, like even for homeschoolers, um, any homeschooler, don't underestimate the power of reading aloud to your kids mm, because yeah. you can actually cover a lot of subjects with read alouds. Mm-hmm. So like, you don't have to sit down and do <clears throat> history you could read a, a historical fiction book yeah, yeah, and then talk about it. Cause mo- I haven't found a history curriculum. I like um, it, it all. They all seem to have an agenda. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, and, and, yeah. And I'm like, can you just tell me what happens? <laughs> when there's an, there's an amazing magical thing that can happen with reading out loud. And I, and maybe, I don't know if you see this or not, but when you're reading out loud, maybe your kids are, um, doodling on a page or fiddling with some Legos or maybe they're just intently sitting there because it's a picture book. Yeah. Um, but it is perfectly normal and okay for them to, you know, say, for example, they're a doodler. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm going to do a whole podcast on like <laughs> neurodevelopmental stages and things. Yeah. Um, but they're actually activating their mind by yes. using those muscles in their arms to do the doodle and they're absorbing that material even more. So, you know, they don't have to be reading it themselves or even, 
looking at the page or whatever, and they can be absorbing so much amazing information. They really can. Have you ever read the book? I forgot who the author is. It's called Smart Moves. Um, like yeah. what? Like learning is not all in your head. Yes. Yeah. And and I've even I forgot where I read this little tidbit. Um. You know, like, you know, when you bring your kids home from school or even when you've like gone on a field trip and you say, what did you learn? And they say nothing. They don't yeah. or they don't know. It's not that they didn't learn anything, but children actually need physical movement to synthesize the information that they've taken in. Yes. And like they don't just even like with me, like I have to verbally process things before I can kind of, you know, <laughs> feel <laughs> like I've, I've understood it. Like. I need to verbally process or go for a walk. So like movement is so important. And, and so if your kids are fidgety during read aloud, let them be fidgety, but don't let them rake through Lego bins. Yeah. Like just, yeah. just take my word for that. <laughs> but yeah, let your kids fidget, let them walk around, let them crochet or do a handicraft or color. Just let yeah. them physically move because some kids, I want to say some kids, most kids, Sitting still is the hard thing that they're trying to do. And yeah. it takes so much of their effort to sit still that they're not even listening to what you're saying no. because they're just like, I gotta sit still. Uh -huh. um, kids don't sit still because they're not supposed to sit still. Nope. That's part of their development. Yeah. So I want to tell people a little bit more about you, a little secret about you. Oh. You are a unschooling mom you are very active you keep your body healthy i know you guys work out a lot and have a gym you have a gym in your garage i think yeah it's mostly um, beekeeping equipment right now <laughs> well and because you're a beekeeper that was my next one yeah and you are gar our gardener and homesteader and you have chickens yeah and so if i listed like i don't know that was seven things plus being a wife and and you know and a mom and all the things so you're doing it all, and that's kind of one of my topics with this podcast is, I think as women, we all want to, quote, do it all. Yeah. So, my last question for you mm -hmm. is, what advice do you have as a homeschool mom for women who want to do it all? Um, you can't. <laughs> um, so, instead of trying to do it all, pick some things that you're good at, Right. And, and really sink into those, like know yourself, you know what I mean? Like know who you are, know, start, start getting clear about, you know, your purpose on this earth. Absolutely. And I, I, I mean this with love and respect, but stay in your lane. Yeah. Because God has given us all unique skills and abilities and what we lack in those skills and abilities are often strengths that we find in others that bring us together into a community. Love it. And we need a community. We need it so bad. And that's the other thing. If you're homeschooling, you absolutely need to find community because you'll lose your mind if you don't. Yeah. Um, and so. And even considering homeschooling. Yeah. Find the communities. Search them out. I think most homeschooling moms love to meet and chat and talk with other oh, yeah. moms who are interested in it. So. We love talking about homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and so, yeah, just, you don't have to do it all. And I'm not saying that you can't try new things. Cause I think that's modeling 
learning is Mm -hmm. really important for our kids to see, even if they're public schooled. I think kids need to see that their parents have interests and passions that are outside of their role as a mother Mm -hmm. because they need like, that's just, that's how they see that working in the real world. Right. You know, my kids see me fretting over a garden and learning that skill and they see me learning how to podcast and and all that. It shows them how that gets done. So I say you can't do it all, but that don't let that be a limiting factor in you learning a new skill. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, you can't you can't do it all. So just, maybe focus on one thing at a time, like yeah. as if you were unschooling. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I think sometimes I know I'm not really a big New Year's resolution fan, but I think setting intentions and goals for the year can be really helpful in this area because it helps us. It helps us to focus our energy and it also helps us to balance our calendars because if things that we're putting on our calendar are not aligning with our values and goals, that's a moment that we need to come and pause Mm -hmm. and say, okay, like I'm doing a lot of things here that are not pushing me toward what I want to do or where I want to be or who I want to be. I need to reassess this. Well, Tiffany, I don't did not tell you this, but this we are recording this now and this is the podcast that I'm going to have air on Monday, January 1st, 2024. What? See, look so, at that. I love it. It's not too late. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's a huge piece of advice for people to take in and and you know, use that and really, you know, the the podcast I just that airs the week before this one, I really took um, and talked about, you know, rest and mm. being intentional and following the seasons. And so, Oh yes. You know, I love that. That was very powerful. So um, I want to say thank you for coming on. Oh, well, thank and you for having me. This is great. Yes. We are 49 minutes in. So <laughs> we'll let our listeners have the rest of their day. And <laughs> I think we need to schedule this again because I need to hear more about, all of your homesteading stuff and bees, of course, because oh yeah, I have passionate about bees. So. Oh yeah, my <laughs> husband, my husband's like he's asking, can I be on your podcast and talk about bees? Yes, <laughs> that, that, that I would mean, be so cool. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me that. Let me give our listeners here the information about if they want to learn more from you. Where can they find you? Um, Instagram maybe or your podcast. What's your podcast? Yeah, name? so the podcast is the Bright and Beautiful Podcast. Right now, it's just on Spotify. And Instagram is um, Tiffer Lee Hedgepeth. And I'm sure you probably want to put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, probably will. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a fair, fair one. I've told this to people too, because my Instagram is not, um, it's public. It's not like a private account. I kind of go back and forth with that yeah, <laughs> on how I, to do that. I feel you. But like, I, I don't. If, if y'all message me, that's fine. Uh, I can't, there's only, I, I'm, a, I'm a person and I, I don't have a lot of time to just manage social media. Yeah. So, um, well, I yeah, don't, it's, it's my personal account. So don't, don't, don't get crazy. <laughs> don't, don't spam Tiffany y'all. Okay? Don't, or like, you know, don't, don't come on and be like, Oh my gosh, you're that crazy girl that was on that episode. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. 
Well, thank you so much. And this was a wonderful conversation. And I hope everyone here found value in that conversation. And we will be bringing you more. So thank you for talking to us about our fourth topic here, our topic on family. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Sherry. You're welcome. We will talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Vital Life Podcast. I hope this podcast leaves you inspired to live a more vital, holistic life. Connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Sherry Rayleigh or Vitality Chiropractic NC.